We love you, Jesus. Amen. Well, good to be with you all tonight. Um, so grateful um, that everybody's here. Um, hi. Got new faces. Welcome. Glad to have you all. Um, John and Andrea Kohlberg are very special people. Their children, Lolani and Elijah, are too. Their family came in yesterday from Ohio, and they're staying with us, so leave tomorrow. Um, but I'll, I'll say a little bit more about John. Those of you who've hung around here for a while, you know um, a little or a lot about John. And uh, I even have a song called John about John. Um, and my first introduction to him and the role he's played in my life. But uh, he's been essential in my life and essential for this ministry. And that's, those are understatements. Um, but we'll get to that in a moment. I'm going to see if John wants to share anything on his heart or if Andrea has anything on her heart. Um, just want to be open to really receive them tonight. Um, but first, I want the kids to come down. Kids, kids, kids. Ooh. Hi, Lonnie. Hey, Elijah. Hey, Zai. Oh. Hi, Samuel. Well, it's good to have you guys here. What I wanted to talk to you about was something that Jesus said to the people he was hanging around with. At one point in the Bible, Jesus said this, if you receive a righteous person in the name of a righteous person, you receive a righteous person's reward. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. What was Jesus talking about? Does anybody have any idea? If you receive a righteous person in the name of a righteous person, you get a righteous person's reward. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. What was God talking about? What was Jesus talking about? Anybody know? Any ideas? You don't have to be right. Well, let me share some thoughts, and I'm sure I don't have the whole picture, but I'll share my thoughts. I think Jesus was saying, if somebody comes to you and God sends them to you, that's the only way a person is righteous. Because righteousness comes from God and God alone. So if God sends a righteous person into your life and you receive them and say, welcome, righteous person, then you get the reward that that righteous person has. When God comes to us, when he shows someone to us, when he brings someone to us, he has good things in mind for us. 
So that is why it's so important to always be ready for who Jesus is going to bring into our lives. Yes. That's a theological question with depth. A righteous person is first and foremost someone who God has made righteous. And there is no other righteousness outside of the blood of Jesus. Everybody is unrighteous. Except those who come under Jesus' blood. So, when Jesus gives someone His Spirit, when He gives someone His life, His blood, they become a righteous person. And then He sends that righteous person into other people's lives. He sends them into your life and into my life. Righteous has the word right in it. That means that you are right with God, that you are right with the Creator, that you are in line with Him, and He says, yep. He says you're right where you need to be. And nobody can be right where they need to be by doing the right, all the right things because we all mess up. But the number one right thing to do is to say yes to Jesus, and then we become the righteousness of God. Any other questions from the audience? Righteousness, Zeke, is the at or it's the state of being of being righteous. So it's like the righteous blood of Jesus flowing through us, and so we can say we're living in righteousness. And when God sends a prophet into your lives, someone who speaks for God, if you say, yep, you're speaking for God, you get God's reward that he's giving that person. If that man or that woman is speaking for God, if they're a prophet or a prophetess, which because of his spirit, we can all speak for God. If you receive that person, then you receive the reward. So, let me end it by saying this. There are rewards coming for Elijah. There are rewards coming for Phineas and Samuel. There are rewards coming for Solomon and Cohen. There are rewards coming for my precious Olivia. There are rewards coming for Zion. There are rewards. Jesus wants to send those rewards. What's that? Well, of course there's rewards for Liliana. Jesus wants to send those rewards, his rewards, through people. So I want you guys to always be on the lookout for who Jesus might send into your lives. Because Jesus said one time, I came to you in disguise but some of you didn't recognize me. So let's always be ready to recognize Jesus when he shows up, whether it's in the face of a two-year-old little girl, an 87-year-old man, or anybody in between. All right. Well, let's pray, and then we're going to break it down with reward. Okay?
Jesus, you are our reward. Knowing you is the greatest gift. You are the righteousness of God. And you bring us into rightness with God. You are everything. And you want to give everything that's in your heart to us. I ask you, Father, to help us receive the face of Jesus, the hands of Jesus, the mouth of Jesus through whoever you send to us. Give us humble hearts and give us sensitive spirits so we can say yes to the people you send to us. And we look forward to your rewards. But again, the greatest reward is knowing you. You are our reward, Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's put them in. And on three, instead of rewards, we're just going to say reward because Jesus is our reward. All right? Yep, and we don't have to scream it. Reward on three. One, two, three. Reward! Thank you, kids. It was great to have you down here. Karis, do you want to do announcements? Welcome, everybody. For those of you who are visiting, um, the, there's a bathroom right through this door and then through the next door. Um, and if you want, it's totally up to you all, but those of you who are here with kids, we will have kids supervision time tonight um, during the teaching time back there. And it's Natalie. Did you say it's you tonight? Natalie and Jen. Okay. Okay. So we have um, more information on the retreat coming up April 14th to 16th. So there are 21 rooms in that lodge that we stayed in before. Every room has 10 of the rooms have two full beds, or 11 of the rooms have two full beds. 10 of the rooms have two queen beds. So um, there's a lot of space in, like within the rooms like for a, a good number of people. So we're thinking for the two nights, if we get there on Friday night and then leave on Sunday, that um, nobody, no, nobody should pay more than 200 and some will pay less. So let's say we have like a, f a bigger family who ends up needing two rooms. We don't want anybody to pay more than 200 total, okay? So if you have lots of kids, you're not punished for having lots of children, okay? <laughs> so you can just extend off as long as we've got space. So if you can let me know as soon as possible whether or not you're able to come, just text me to the retreat. If you don't have my phone number, let me know, but... Um, if you do know you're able to come, just text me again, April 14th to 16th. Um, and if you want to be in charge of something, like, oh, I love food. Jen did it last time. Jen, if you want to do it again, you're welcome to. But let me know. If you want to be in charge of coordinating the food stuff, let me know. If you have something else that's on your heart, you're like, oh, I want to do something special with the kids while we're there, let me know. Um, if there's really anything you're really interested in doing that weekend, let us know. David and Wendy Falls are going to be speaking again. They're incredible. They have 
wonderful teaching and they stayed up into the wee hours of the morning praying for people in long lines which was amazing <laughs> so um we have a lot to look forward to it's gonna be really really special just got a text was it one of you yes thank you noel <laughs> um just let me know so i can start doing the rooming arrangement um and we have some families that are like connected to dwelling but don't come regularly that will be coming and so that's cool if you have some friends or some people that you're like, they're not here all the time, but we want them to be here. Let me know, um, and we'll make sure we get enough people signed up. And in the basement, they just finished this, but the basement of the lodge, there's two bunk rooms. And they said they can fit a huge amount of people, but it have to either be like a big family or like a bunch of girls in one and a bunch of guys in the other because it's just two, but they have a lot of bunks. There's laundry, there's gaga ball, there's basketball, there's canoeing. If it's warm enough, they'll open the pool. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff there. Um, as you recall, last year we had snow, hail, rain, and sun. So you never know what you're going to get. What? And it was really, really cold. <laughs> yeah, I think until like the last day when we had to leave. And then it wasn't as cold. So that's what we have to look forward to at the retreat. I know that was a lot of information. And you have me to look forward to every week giving you information again on, until it's retreat time. Please text me if you have extra questions or concerns so I can make sure that we get those taken care of ahead of time. Um, and Trav's going to maybe talk a little more about this. But you know that we've been talking about moving to Sunday mornings. And so maybe moving to the sanctuary building on Main Street. And I went to see it. It's a beautiful, incredible building, and they're being so welcoming to us. I do have a lot of logistical concerns. It is, um, it's got a lot of beautiful little glass things sitting around, <laughs> which really stresses me out. Um, and there's also not space for storage and stuff like that. Now, all these are details. If, if that's the door the Lord's opening up, and if that's an invitation that he wants us to take, we want to go. And God will teach us how to utilize that space and how to do without the things that we've learned to do with. So if that's what he wants, we all want to be willing and obedient to go. But because we're not sure it's what he wants, we would love if some other people want to um, like feel like some guidance from the Lord and want to weigh in with us, please do that. Because with more things coming up, we just want to be certain before we just uproot from a great place and move on so please let us know because we want to be praying we've been praying but now that we've seen it we really want to press in and be sure <laughs> so just let us know do you want to maybe elaborate or anything okay yeah you know yeah you know i i think there's a lot of liberty in our day-to-day -day lives god's like you know he's pleased with us to do this or do that um, and I think that way with our ministry, too, we, we test things out. Is this the way you're going, God? Um, but our, our location change, particularly for this ministry, has always been very strategic and uh, not something that we just do lightly. Um, sometimes we're required to make a location change because winter is coming and uh, we're meeting in a place outdoors. You guys know about that stuff. But we don't just want to move to another location in haste, particularly when, you know, God's blessing has been here in this building on Saturday evenings with us 
You know, it's kind of like the, the worldly saying, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. You know, this we're not like running out of space here. We're not running into big problems. This has been a real blessing. And that's one of the reasons why, as I talked to Davey and Uncle Tim and was processing with Karis, it almost seemed like God was moving in this direction because it's not like things were bad here, so we're looking for a place, another place to go. Um, the sanctuary just kind of came up as an option, and and then uh, Joe McKenzie has been so welcoming to us. So, that being said, just continue to pray with us. We want what God wants, and we know he has everybody's best interests in mind. Um, some people are going to have more logistical comfort with a Saturday evening, some with a Sunday morning, um, and I'm sure with certain locations, they're better for people or families. Um, but the thing is, as Kara said, if we're in the place where God wants us to be, he'll take care of the details and some of the discomforts he'll actually be in because <laughs> we need growth. Um, so I think that's all I need to say about that. Just pray and if you have anything, you know, that comes into your mind, it doesn't have to be like some like thus says uh, God. But if you just have a thought, um, if you have a feeling, even we'll even take emotions. You know, we're not going to be driven by emotions, but uh, sometimes God leads through emotion. Yeah. OK, well, the kids can go back if they would like to. Well, I'm going to give the microphone to John here in a bit, but before, I'd just like to give a little bit more context. Um, again, most of you have heard me talk about John and Michael uh, and Chris. We go way back to, to knowing John. And, um, just a, a little bit more on my first introduction to John. Um, I graduated Asbury in 2006, and um, then I stuck around in town and took some classes at the seminary and um, waited for 2007 when my uh, fiancé at the time graduated, and then we got married in 2007. But that 2006-2007 school year, when I was at the seminary and um, Karis was finishing up at Asbury, uh, university back then it was college um, a guy came to town named John Kulberg uh, he was actually my age uh, 22 uh, 23 at the time but um, the Lord had spoken to him to come to Asbury and so he did and in short my life has never been the same um, God could have used anyone because he's not a respecter of persons. He gives grace as he wants to, through whom he wants to. But God gave a grace for dramatic life-changing power to John Kohlberg for Travis Spann. And it has been that way for 16 plus years. Um, and my 
scriptural message to the kids was not by accident. God gave me grace to perceive Jesus Christ um, showing himself through John. And any true impact in our lives spiritually comes from Jesus Christ. So the ministry of Jesus Christ was not unique. Um, that wasn't the only ministry of Jesus Christ I've received through John. I've, everybody here has uh, been a vessel for that for me. But there's been a unique role John's played in my life and a unique role in this ministry. Um, so again, I could say more details about uh, my first introduction to John, and there's fun stories, funny stories, um, and amazing times. But I'll, I'll summarize it with me personally. John has been used as the clearest and most powerful example in my life of prophetic ministry. And um, it, it makes me think of in the Bible where God spoke of Samuel, Yahweh let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel knew that he was attested as a prophet. And so no person is perfect. Samuel wasn't perfect, but God's ministry through him somehow was summed up in God let none of his words fall to the ground. That's the way God has used John with me. And I am not calling him infallible. I don't think any person is other than Jesus. But that's the way God has used him. None of his words have fallen to the ground in my life. And that's, that's an awesome thing. In 2014, uh, John came back. Wasn't that, you guys, wasn't that your first time back to Wilmore since? Yeah. So he'd gra or he had left here just after that one year in 2007. And then 2014, he came back with his bride, Andrea. They'd gotten married less than a year before. And Andrea and John came and stayed with Karis and I. And Karis was just barely pregnant with Zion. We just found out that she was pregnant. And it was a, you know, unnerving time for us because we had been married since 2007, so almost seven years, had desired children, lost uh, a child early on. And, and then Karis all of a sudden had gotten pregnant again at the beginning of 2014, and then we lost the child again. So seven years, you know, lost the child, then seven years later, you know, um, we lose an, another baby, and then Karis gets pregnant again. And so we're all nervous and, like, emotional and, like, God, like, one to, you know, position our hearts in faith and crying out for God to give us children. Um so at that time, John and Andrea visit, and um, I'll say this too, for years, God has spoken to our hearts that the birth of our first child was going to be a sign of a ministry he was giving Karis and I. So Karis gets pregnant with Zion, and they come a few weeks later, and I remember, I'll never forget this, our little house over there in Winding, on, on Winding Way, um, I remember John just, and that's the way he operates. If, if, if the Lord leads him to do something, he'll just do it. So he was just stopped there in the kitchen and he just like started praying for Karis, just praying for the baby. And, uh, that always stuck out to me. And I think that was an important part of God's plan for my family and for my daughter. Um, and 
you know, there's some other stuff that happened during the pregnancy where the enemy tried to steal, kill, and destroy Zion, but God fought for her. But I believe he was fighting through John's prayers. That next week after John and Andrew went back to um, Ohio, a friend of his had a dream. A friend of mine had a dream here in Wilmore, and I had a dream. And there was this theme of God calling for a ministry to begin here in Wilmore related to the Tabernacle of David, just a place for God's presence and music is a big part of it. And that was just a clear communication. But God used John again to basically commission that. I had had, so it's like, it was basically a confirmation of the call, but the way he has used John in my life as a leader, it's like, yep, God's calling for this to happen. And so the seed of dwelling ministries was conceived right there. It is so interesting because Zion, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. We didn't know the child's name was Zion at this point. Um, but it just all came together and we didn't, and dwelling ministries wasn't called dwelling. That didn't come till later, but that's what Zion is. Zion is the dwelling place of God. Mount Zion is the place where God's presence is localized in a special and beautiful way. And the people of Zion are those who love his presence. And that's why it says God loves the tents of Zion more than any other place, any other tents, because it's the place uh, that's closest to him, those who receive his love. So um, that began some seven years after John and I were introduced, we partnered in ministry. And even though he was up in Ohio, I was here in Kentucky, it was very much a partnership. And God's used him since then, the last almost nine years now, to continue giving oversight, um, counsel, direction. Um, and I've said this from the very beginning, God has, God himself, Jesus is our covering, but he's also uh, given covering through, through John. So um, I think it's, very appropriate that that uh, John and Andrea and their children are here with us now. I have said this uh, a number of times in the last year. I've said it a lot to John Edward. I said the next time John comes to town, it's something significant. Uh, and I, I saw that in two different ways. One, it it's like I, I kind of just, you know, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will declare to you things that are to come. Okay, And I felt within me the Holy Spirit declaring or showing that when God, uh, when John comes to town, it's a sign of timing that God is doing something special. And I also felt like it's not because that's apart from John, like God just God's doing something. And but John kind of like is a billboard for it. All right. Um, the, the billboard is not the business. You know, the billboard is just like a sign for the business, okay? But I also believe that God was going to work through the Kohlberg family to shift something within us. Um, God does that with people. Even the, 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 the pagan rulers of the world in the book of Acts said, who are these humans? They're flipping the world upside down. 
God uses human vessels to shift power bases and to reform culture and change regions. He just does it through whom he wants to, how he wants to. And so I believe that's uh, how John and Angie are coming to us in that mode. Um, and uh, you'll see in just a moment, John's not going to come up here and put on a show. I mean, he is funny, um, but he has a great sense of humor and he does some funny things too. But he's not going to come up here and steal your hearts with charisma and like, you know, wow you with like extemporaneous, like buttery words. Although, like he said, and he was joking, he's like, I might. God could do that with anybody here. He could do it um, with Zadok back there if he wanted to. (laughs) Amen, buddy. But the the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's a demonstration of power, okay? We're not looking for a form of godliness that denies the power. We're looking for God and godliness. And um, that's what I believe God's going to bring to us. So open your hearts up. um, Receive the reward that God has for you tonight. Um, It's just who God is. This is not like even something I have to like prophesy. It's just a matter of truth from God. He has something for us tonight, as he always does, and he has something special through his servant. I think that's all I need to say. Thank you so much, Travis. Um, So glad to be here. Um, I just love it here. Love Wilmore. And I love you all. Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm not... I don't uh, think of myself as being that special. But um, I try to agree with whatever God says about me. Um, And it's my honor and privilege to be used or useful. Um, I'm going to share a little about my testimony, what got me here. Um, And then I'm going to, maybe, Lord willing, I'm going to speak a little bit about uh, the gift of prophecy. And... um, just feels appropriate. <laughs> um, praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, so uh, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, you know, went to Christian schools. Uh, my mom came from a Christian science background, which she didn't know anything about it, really. She just believed God healed which is one of their things, you know. Um, and she just had faith for it. Even when, even when she got saved, she just, like, that translated real well for her. It's like, God, is, of course he's a healer. And uh, my dad came from a, a Lutheran background. He didn't get saved until after I was born. He got saved watching um, Jesus of Nazareth, the miniseries, which happens to be one of my favorite movies as well. And... Um, I remember, uh, well, we'll skip that, but I, um, uh, my mother got sick. I'm one of five children. My mother got sick when um, uh, my youngest siblings were 
four and five and uh, uh, with cancer. And I was 11 at the time. And um, she uh, didn't really tell anybody about it at first. She um, kind of kept it to herself. And then eventually she had what came out is that she had already thoroughly made up her mind that she was, she believed God would heal her. And um, so a um, little background, backstory to the year previous, um, my grandma, who was, you know, raised Lutheran, didn't have a real strong relationship with the Lord or anything, never talked about him, is sick in the hospital and she's in intensive care and basically in borderline coma just in and out and she's in a bad spot and um jesus appeared to her in her um hospital room the foot of her bed put his hands on her didn't say a word and she was healed and was discharged the next day, which was a huge miracle. So here we have the faith for healing. It's been especially primed in our family. Um, here's my grandma who doesn't even talk about Jesus hardly at all. And now she's like, Jesus came and healed me. You know, it's pretty awesome. Sovereign move. that We weren't really expecting. And... Um, Although we do, you know, I don't mean to say we weren't expecting. It's not like we had a bunch of people praying, laying hands on her. You know, it was just not what we were doing. And so my mom gets sick. She gets worse and worse. And some faith healers got drawn into the situation, Christian faith healers, which I, you know, don't care to really dis discuss that type of theology because I very much believe in faith or faith is very important. Um, but as an 11-year-old boy, what I heard was, just deny any possibility of her dying and oh yeah i got faith easy i can do that anyway she died and so that was pretty devastating for me and for our family and things that we had to work through and um because we did we knew god healed and we don't know why he didn't heal her and since then we've had a, a tremendous amount of healing um through that enclosure and um, but that kind of initiated me into a place where all of my my anchors in life kind of disappeared including the people who were all there supporting us and encouraging us to believe that she would be healed they kind of vanished nobody really knew what to do with the situation and here I am a 11 year old boy in the uh, middle child with two younger siblings. I got my dad who's trying to survive with five kids on his own and in a really sad place. And uh, so with my high self-concept and um, immaturity, I thought, well, I don't need anybody. I can raise myself. And as far as this whole God thing, well, I don't really know what to think about depending on him. Um, so went through some rebel, ended up going through some rebellious years. I, you know, sought spiritual experiences through drugs and, you know, I didn't really know I was doing that, but 
I really wanted to be neutral. You know, I didn't want to be on God's side. Didn't want to be on the devil's side. And it was, uh, you know, in high school, I was pretty bad shape. And um, by God's grace, he started pulling me out of it. And then I remember one day when uh, the devil started to make make himself really obvious to me. I would get attacked at night by demons, pinned down, picked up, all this weird stuff. And I was freaked out. And it was a total existential problem for me because I'm like, if the devil's real, God's probably real. (laughs) You know? And I happened to notice that it would especially happen if I was ever praying for anybody. Now, it may sound weird that I'd be praying for somebody in rebellion, but for some reason I would. I'd pray for my, some of my friends. Because I'm like, man, they're just in bad shape. I'm like, God, you help them. And like, I mean, I was in bad shape too, but I was so, yeah, yeah, I was in bad shape too. And I was just so ashamed of myself though, it, that I was, I don't feel like I deserve to pray for myself. And so, and, um, you know, after a couple of weeks of like praying for him, like maybe before I go to bed or something, I would just pray it. And this would be the weirdest thing because it's like, I didn't even think about the fact that I was doing that and how inconsistent that was. And then I'd get attacked again. And it was really an intimidation thing. I think of the devil to try to get me to stop praying for these guys. And I would shut up for a while because it was scary. And then one time, the time they lifted me up to the ceiling of my room that's when i was like oh i gotta get my dad i gotta tell him about this stuff this is freaky so freaky and um but yeah so that that's what started me towards um a journey with the lord was like you know what something's got to give something's got to change i don't know how to do this and so i just got off of all the crazy drugs, the hard stuff. They're all crazy, of course, but, uh, and just kind of coasted through the next year. I was sick half the year. I missed 75 days of school that year. It was my junior year. And, um, but my best friend, one of the people, one of my best friends, one of the people I had been praying for, he was a graduate from a military school, uh, high school. And it, um, he would talk to me about it all year long. He would just say things about his experience there. Well, by spring, I knew that's exactly what I needed. I need to go to military school. I need to get out of this environment. I need to get around people who are going to like hold me to a high standard discipline. I just need to get out of here. And uh, my dad, I didn't know this, but my dad had actually been asking the Lord to, to have me go. He wanted me to go, but he knew if he would push me to go, I'd be AWOL within a week. And um, so, you know, through it was, it was there. I was about two two months in when uh, I got attacked by those demons again in my dorm room. And I was just like, God, no, not here. They followed me here. And, uh, and then it broke. And then I felt the manifest presence of the Lord. And I just started weeping in my bunk. And I've got a roommate underneath me. And we're supposed to be asleep. And I'm just like, oh. And I'm just like, God, I want to be a warrior for you. And then I'm like, what did I just say? <laughs> I woke up the next morning like, what was that? 
Like, but did I dream that? No, that was what? But I knew it was real. Now, um, so anyway, I would go through this journey with the Lord. And, and so in my head, I needed to clean myself up for God, to be even, even able to consider calling myself a Christian. I was like, man, I need to get in a better place. And that's just what I thought it was, the faith was about. And uh, that would have been overemphasized in the schooling I had been through and the churches, most of the churches that we had attended. It was just this emphasis on, you know, not being a big, fat sinner. And uh, I knew I was one. And so I was trying to get better. I was like, man, I want to get to a place where I'd feel like not some shame trying to approach God or ask him for anything. And so I, uh, but I started just reaching out to him and it's just like, give me strength, give me strength. I remember praying that every night. Give me strength. Help me just do what I got to do. Um, go to church, start going to church because some of my friends got saved that, for, that I had known, um, you know, middle school, elementary school. They started walking with the Lord. We're going to this vineyard church and, you know, there's a young adults ministry that was, it was a big, real big church. And, you know, I'm just like, sure, I'll go check it out. And they're talking about the presence of the Lord. And I'm like, what are you talking about the presence of the Lord? I didn't know what that was. And, you know, worship was just so captivating. God's presence would come. And I'm like, oh, that's what they're talking about. That's good. That's a lot like what happened to me in my bunk. And um, so, you know, next thing I know, I go to a, a, a conference that, that summer, uh, outdoor thing, they called it. Uh, well, yes, outdoor conference. And uh, there was a guy there who led a breakout session on the gift of prophecy. And I didn't know anything about the gift of prophecy, didn't really have any interest in it, but this girl I had a crush on was going to it, and my sister was going to go to it too, so I was just like, sure, I'll go, you know, whatever, prophecy, whatever, cool. Uh, <laughs> but man, it, uh, yeah, famous last words right there. Um, it uh, I sat down, we listened, you know, he's talking about prophecy. I'm like, this is pretty interesting. You know, I didn't know this was, that people, this is a thing, you know? And, you know, these guys are kind of weird though, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but while they're talking all this, I'm, I just feel this kind of weight on me a little bit. And I feel like butterflies in my stomach and I'm getting real nervous. I'm like, what's going on with me? I feel this way, and but I was like, I'll just sit here. I mean, I'm like, do I have to go to the bathroom or something? Like, what's going on? And because I started feel like maybe I have to go to the bathroom. Maybe I'm going to throw up or something's going on. This is strange. But I was like, but I knew something was about to happen. Anyway, so these guys finish up talking talk about the gift of prophecy and. Uh, this guy's like, hey, you, you know, has him stand up, prophesies over him, says some things about, you know, God sees, I see this nurturing gift on you, and you're just blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, that was kind of nice, yeah. And then this other guy's like, you, that's me. And I'm like, 
And I'm like, you know, meanwhile, I'm going through this inner panic. Any previous to that, having this feeling like something's about to happen that I'm not sure what it is. And he's like, can you stand up? I'm like, sure. And I like give this glance over to this girl and my, and my sister. I'm like, am I going to be okay? <laughs> like, you guys watch me, okay? <laughs> like, anyways, and he, uh, he says to me, What's your name? I'm like, John. He's like, well, John, God says that your sins are forgiven. Done. I was done. Now, were those words really what did it? No, it was the power and presence of God hit me so strong that shame just broke off me. And I'm like, I'm okay. God's real. Hey, anyway, I spent about 30 minutes on the floor crying my heart out, having this revelation of God's love for me that he wasn't mad at me. And that I didn't, I've been trying to, and even helped me see that I've been trying to clean myself up for him. And the whole time he'd just been looking at me, just feeling so sorry for me for what I've been going through, even though much of it was by my own hand. He wasn't like, I, I thought he was pissed. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I, that's what I, I mean, I thought he was angry. I thought he was mad at me. And I thought maybe he'd listen to my prayers for other people. And, uh, but when it came to me, I was like, well, I, don't, I just don't think I can handle that if he's just, if I'm going to all of a sudden feel his anger or wrath towards me, you know. And I didn't realize some of the inconsistencies in my thinking, but that's where I was at. And so these waves of his presence and his love for me kept pouring out on me. And he just began to completely unlock my heart. I mean, I, the, last, the, time I, the last time I had cried was one time, no, it was one of two times that I cried after my mom died. And that's another story, but connected to when you deny the possibility of someone dev- uh, someone dying in in your life and the devastation that that might bring to you, it becomes easier to deny that it even happened in the first place. So I just closed off to it so much and to my emotions, kind of sectioned it all off. And so here I am on the floor in touch with my heart, crying my eyes out and realizing that God loved me. Not only he loves me, he's real, he makes a difference. Um, he's not something I'm trying to attain to and reach to. Someone who's disinterested or get his attention by my living. Um, and it was a beautiful thing. Uh, it messed me up pretty good. Because from that point for a few years, I couldn't even watch a movie. I was so, my heart was so sensitive. I mean, I would just sob at everything. I mean, just talk about, I watched Monsters, Inc. That's what I watched. I watched Monsters, Inc. probably 2,000 times in that year. And but that was about it. Because it made me feel good. I don't know. It just made me feel good. And I mean, I would walk out of, I walked out of a Broadway one time. It was a high school Broadway musical thing. Les Miserables. I got about. I got about 15 minutes in and the mute, this music starts playing and it was so emotional. I was like, that's it. I'm out of here. 
I can't handle this. <laughs> I'm not going to just sit here and sob the whole time. I walked home in the snow that day. That's what, that's what happened. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's fun to recount all this. So I was on fire for the Lord. All the old friends that from my old crew, not the, not the ones that had, were walking with the Lord, but my old crew, they were all druggies and had it, those issues. They, I don't know, even know how they all heard I got saved, but they, well, and it wasn't really, that's a theological question too. Did I get saved when I was a little kid? May have, but I was walking with the Lord now, and I knew he was real. I knew he was real for me. <laughs> that's what was so cool, you know. I may not have doubted that he was real for other people, but is he real for me? Is he good for me? Well, I started to find out he was good for me. And uh, so, uh, yeah, just started seeking God hardcore, just loved, just fell in love with the gift of prophecy because I just saw what it did to me. That this guy who I don't know says something so simple, but with the power of God on it and with it, he didn't know that that was the, the, the keyhole in me, he shot a key at me and unlocked all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, God's real. And he loves me. So I'm a big advocate. <laughs> um, so I started studying it, studying about it and, you know, the gifts of the spirit. And I'm like, I just love this stuff. It's so great because um, God is real and he really does care. And, and, you know, I don't, I, of course, didn't understand why he didn't heal my mom, but I'm like, but he does heal, and he can help people, and he does come into our lives. And he makes a difference. He makes a breakthrough, and it's not about all what we can do for him. And um, it's about learning how to receive better. And, um, you know, so I, uh, I really sought after the gift of healing at first. I was just like, I'm so impressed by it. I really want to see the gift of healing in my life. And and one day, he very specifically, very clearly, I remember him saying, I want you to pursue the gift of prophecy first before you pursue anything else. And the rest of the stuff's going to make sense, more sense to you later. So I'm like, okay, well, that's me. I'm not saying that's for everybody. That, that was my thing. So then I started getting all these words from people that didn't know me and like people calling me out and stuff and saying, you're going to have the gift of prophecy. You're, I'm like, okay, I believe that, but... I'm not seeing it yet, really yet, you know, so I started seeking him hard on it. Anyway, so I've gained a lot of experience in prophecy. I've been doing it for about 20 years. Um, I've seen a lot of ugly parts of it, and I've seen how hard it is to pastor at times. But I, I am thoroughly convinced that the emphasis put on it in Scripture is um, because of how incredibly essential and important it is to be able to accomplish the purposes God has for the earth, his plan. And, you know, Moses, he said, I wish you were all prophets. And, well, that's what we're in with the Spirit being poured out. It's the, the opportunities here. It's elementary. And we will overcome and grow out of some of these growing pains that we've been going through and, and work through the immaturities. It will get better. It has gotten better as a movement. I've, as I've watched it progress, it's gotten way better. But, you know, Paul knew about that. That's why in Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, he knew it was going to be challenging. He says, don't despise prophecy. You know, because 
it's actually really important and we have to figure out how to how to to work it out we are a prophetic people we are a people of the spirit we're a people of the book but we're a people of the spirit that's what really sets us apart and that's what the old testament is trying to tell us over and over again is that he wants us to be a people of the spirit and he's going to make the way and but in our nature we resist that sometimes we we like the idea of being a people of just the book but even people who are think that they're more of just the book people they're people of the spirit they just don't realize it everybody's gotten saved as a person of the spirit because it is the Holy Spirit who prophesies into you that Jesus is Lord. You can't figure it out yourself. You have to, you can't do it apart from the revelation of, of the Holy Spirit. It's elementary. It is the beginning stage of a true conversion. We just need to get better at it. And it, that comes through many different ways. Um, I've fasted and, and sought God and tried so hard and did a lot of my flesh, you know, in that first year when I was really seeking him. And then he brought me to uh, a spiritual mentor who really helped me see that I was hearing from the Lord way more than I thought. It was just a different channel in my brain. And I just wasn't accustomed to tuning into that channel. But listening to him prophesy, I was like, wait a second, I'm picking that up too. And then it started to kind of snowball from there. And I learned how to tune into that channel. It's a language that God speaks. Prophecy is a language God speaks to us, but we have to learn it. Um, and he'll help you learn it. Some people ask me, you know, how do you hear from God? Well, I think really the foundation for even hearing from God is that you learn that God knows how to talk to you in a way you can understand and get your eyes off yourself and your weakness in the, in the ability. Yes, you are weak in the ability to hear from God. But God wants you to hear from him. He loves that. And he knows how to speak in a way that you can understand. And the only times he gets, he's distant or he seems to be cryptic and all that is because the pursuit is so good for you that he does that. And it's so good for your relationship with him. And he loves to see that you're putting that that you're honing into those desires in your heart and strengthening them and, and those desires of getting to know him and, and getting to know um, things that will help, can help other people in your prayers and, and becoming a more effective intercessor because, you know, as you, the more you learn to hear from God, you, you start learning that you really, prayer is much more like agreement. You're like, oh, that's a great idea. And then sometimes, you know, he'll show you what the enemy's doing, and it's like, oh, man, what he wanted to do was bad, but I'm so glad that doesn't have to happen. And that you're the God who does this. And seeing that attack of the enemy just break so easily. Um, <clears throat> praise the Lord. So, um, what kind of time we got? 20 minutes? When's this over? Seven? Okay, I think. 
I lo- totally lose track of time when I get going like this. So. But I got a clock. <laughs> um, praise God. And uh, so I got off a little bit on a tangent there, but um, coming back to, um, you know, here I am seeking God. I'm doing all this ministry. Uh, I'm doing a lot of inner healing ministry because God's been speaking to me and helping me know how to unlock people's hearts like mine had been. And um, and then deliverance and, you know, casting out demons. I probably cast out a thousand demons. And uh, seeing breakthrough. And I was working with someone with MP, with multiple personality disorder and, you know, raised in a satanic home and satanic ritual abuse, all that stuff. And just learning which I didn't realize at the time, learning some of the oh, the bigger strategies of the enemy over the earth, for the earth with his whole followers and all that, which I won't get into at this point. Um, and so I come to the end of that season, and meanwhile, I mean, so I don't, I'm not in college. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what God wants me to do next, and I didn't feel like. I, I was supposed to assume I needed to be in college, and I was so on fire and obsessed with God. I was like, how am I supposed to study, you know, something that's not God? <laughs> you know, like, I don't care. Like, talk about the worst thing I could think of right now in life. Uh, I mean, I barely even get myself to go to work and so I could eat, you know, like, I was just like, oh, man, I just want to see God move, and I just want to know him more, and all this stuff, and, you know, I'm, like, anointed, and I'm helping people, and this is exciting, and, um, but I kept feeling this wall in the gifting, like, in, in the anointing, I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, I believe we, there's so much more available than what I'm walking in, and I'm like, man, I don't really know anybody who's really like I can learn from personally about how to like walk in a lot more authority. And like again, in my heart, I really want to see people healed, set free, delivered. That's like I really want that, and I'm I'm expecting that's going to come at some point, you know, in some big ways. So I've been reading about John G. Lake. I've been reading about Smith Wigglesworth. I'm like, man, why don't I? Why doesn't that happen for me? You know, like that is what I want. Yeah. That's that's my God. That's the God I know. He does that. He enters our broken lives and he heals us. And um, so uh, at the end of that year, I um, the Lord's I knew the Lord was calling me to lay all that inner healing ministry down, a lot of the prophetic ministry I was doing, and um, just kind of back off. And um, I started having these encounters with the Lord. Uh, Really, I really started to learn more about him uh, in a way that where I knew I was being taught and I wasn't necessarily going and reading or hearing from people or whatever. I knew he was teaching me things. And um, it was kind of a hard experience because of how humble I felt. I felt so so low, so like a little newborn baby, 
literally felt like a newborn baby at times. Like, I don't know how to see. I don't know how to hear. I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to feed myself. Getting these revelations of like, if you don't feed me, I don't have anything. If you don't show yourself to be good to me, I'm not going to have anything. And, you know, I remember asking him, well, God, you know, Moses, I'm so fascinated by him. I'm like, God, how could he have been the most humble man that ever lived? Like, how does that make sense? What, what, what does that mean? Because I'm like having these revelations about humility. I'm feeling really low and humble. And I'm like, seeing this has actually been really good between me and the Lord. Um, <clears throat> I mean, just hours and hours like laying on the floor. I mean, I didn't even, I didn't want to do anything but lay in the presence of the Lord helplessly. And I'm not saying do that. I'm not saying that's the way to do things. It's just what was happening to me. Um, you know, I'm not giving you a formula or anything. So don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, he responds. And I wasn't really expecting a quick response. It just happened. And he shocked me with it. He said, oh, I ruined him. I was like, oh, I ruined him. You, you what? You, I, oh, I ruined him. Oh, okay. Well, I don't really understand that. But, and then I started to realize that some of the experiences I was having and some of the things I was going, that he ended up taking me through, were he was starting to ruin me. Not saying I'm like Moses, that's not what I'm trying to say. What was happening was he was helping me see I had nothing to offer him. And, but that he was very interested in teaching me and using me if I would submit to it. Now, here I am, like, so excited about God, so much zeal, so much passion. I've seen, I've seen miracles. I've seen things happening. And he took me the opposite direction and said, if you let me teach you, um, let me take you on this journey. So anyway, I, I uh, started to learn more about how to pray and how to experience union with the Father where you don't usually need to say anything there. It's just more of an unspoken place. And it showed me how you, when you do that, you become this open gate for the Lord. Oh, open, you know, it's like open up the ancient gates. Like you become this gate that the Lord can flow through. And uh, it's like, he's like, I can do a lot by you doing this. I can do a lot if you just let me rest in you. And, but that was hard to allow because of my zeal and passion for the Lord. I thought I had answers. So anyway, I had to surrender all that, experience that. That's another thing I'd love to speak on sometime more about is prayer and in practicing union. It is uh, an essential thing that we will be doing. Uh, some people call practicing the presence, I think, you know, like um, Brother Lawrence. Um, it's just much easier for you to download things from him when you you're just out of the way. Um, <clears throat> so I get an invitation, or I get a, a letter in the mail from Asbury. Or no, I had a dream that I get a letter in the mail from Asbury. It's a big green envelope. I've been asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to go to Bible school or college? Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm giving up this kind of like layman's ministry future or whatever. I've laid that down to use. I mean, I'll pick it back up if you want me to, but 
you know, this is where, you know, what do we do now? It's a, it's a fork in the road here. I get this dream about a letter from Asbury, who, which I had never heard of, and um, started looking into it and knew I was called to go there. And so glad I was because I, you know, Travis is one of my best friends and so grateful for, you know, what God has done with dwelling and all this seems to have been started there with, as far as for me. Um, so here, that's where I'm coming from, is I've just laid down all this stuff for, that was exciting and fun and you know, ready to fast my face off, ready to, you know, go to Africa, lay my life down. You know, I was ready. God, just tell me anywhere. You know, that's the kind of passion and person I was. That's where I was at. And I didn't realize he had a lot to get rid of in me before that was ever going to be very good. Um, and, uh, here I come to, to Asbury, meet Travis. God starts using me more than I was expecting. I really, you know, because I had laid down a lot. And I, I was just like, you know, Lord, I'm just here. You use me whatever you want me to do. I'm, I don't really know what your future is for me except for the words you've given me about my future. I don't know how I'm going to get there, and I'm not here to try to be somebody. Um, but God started to use me, and I remember just seeing the hunger and uh you know, a few of my dearest friends now were people I met that year, people I poured into, mentored um, consistently for most of that time since 16 years ago. And that year was also the year that the Lord started speaking to me about this massive move of God that was going to come to, to Asbury's campus. And um, so I was pretty excited when I heard about what was going on here, but I didn't want to jump ahead because I'd never thought it was going to be 16 years later in the first place. So, well, I may have to wait longer. I've learned to wait. I've learned how to wait. A thousand, a thousand deaths I've, I've gone through. And, uh, uh, you know, that learning to wait does that. Um, staying in faith, but waiting. Um, and what he does in that, it's so good, and this is a little tangent, but he, he grows your roots deeper. He grows them way deeper, and he makes you less vulnerable to the circumstances that are going on around you. It really makes your face like flint. It galvanizes you. It's like, I don't care what anybody says. I've already made my decision to believe. It just doesn't, like, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm gone. I'm either total lost cause or I'm right about believing God. And I'm like, well, I feel like a fool sometimes, and some people probably think I am, but um, they certainly do. But, um, but I've never felt more like, well, I'm God's fool. Like, He's my shepherd, and I've surrendered to it. And so I'm his, his responsibility. You know, so some days I feel like, I joke with Travis, some days I feel like I'm on the, the short bus, the special bus. I know that's not really the right, best way to say that. I'll get better, babe. I'll get better at this. I, 
And uh, so, yeah, it was an honor and privilege to be useful in, in Travis's life at that time and then um, meeting other brothers that I just didn't. I mean, I wondered if anybody would even believe that the Holy Spirit does anything, you know? Like, I was like, I might be just totally under the radar, have to be like secret agent style me, you know? But uh, there was a good community of people who were seeking God. And, and uh, I remember my, uh, my dorm, um, my RA, meeting him and finding out he had received healing before and believed in healing, was big on that. And I was just like, really? All right. Like, this is awesome. This is totally a God thing. It's connected. <clears throat> so uh, since then, you know, we, uh, I believed those words. I put them on the shelf, the words about Asbury's revival. I put them on the shelf for a bit. Um, and in no way, don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to uh, claim any credit or anything like that for that, for what's just happened or what will happen. But, um, but he did speak to me about it. And, um, and I've believed. And I think that had some influence. And then in 2014, the call came for dwelling. And uh, wasn't called dwelling back then, but it was like, this is God. And I remember some things that he did to confirm it that was like, on a whole nother level for me, I'm like, I've never experienced anything like that. Like, this is something God wants to do. And, um, you know, we'll just see what happens, you know. And um, so and meanwhile, this is going, we're going through this process. And Travis, is, for him, you know, part of his the process for him was having the ministry here, being here at the, at the head of it. And, uh, every week and part of my process was going through this more dying type thing and being in almost zero ministry except for a handful of people that God had called me to sort of shepherd and um, uh, minister to and then you know he was having me pray about some more governmental and world event type things and um, it was just a different season but um, here we are after a very substantial move that I believe was a, um, a down payment. And I mean, I saw it over, I walked over there today, I meant to tell you about it. It's like the presence is so strong and still, at least what I could felt. And, and I saw the, the, the gate, the portal that was there. And I guess portal is a weird word for some people, but you know, and, but it looked like a black hole and it had fire all the way around it. And then I saw these angels run by, and they were all fiery angels. Like, I'm like, I've never seen these things before. And they're excited. I'm like, well, good. I thought heaven was excited about this. And it's, I don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, I just don't. Um, but I don't think it's where we're, we will be going. This is very precursor to some things that I believe the Lord wants to do. Um, you know, God is he is building us up to be a, a temple where he can dwell by his spirit. Where people will know, well, God's with those people. He walks with them. Whether they like it or not, it will be known. 
these people walk, it's like these people walk in the garden before the fall. Where God comes in the cool of the day to spend time with them and to also um, you know, bring healing and deliverance and all these things. Um, he's building us up. And what is this building supposed to turn into of his presence? Well, it's also supposed to be a sign of his glory. It's also supposed to turn into um, us being perfected by the presence or by the spirit of the Lord. And we failed miserably at at being perfected because we have tried way too much. And I don't know how to be perfected by God. I know he knows how. And I'm not trying to get into like, will we ever be totally sinless before the second coming? Like, I'm not saying that, but we will get closer than we are now. It's part of the children's bread. It's part of destroying the works of the devil. I'm going to share this drink because I love it and because it's profound. I was at a time of life after, it was a couple years after being in Asbury as a student in 2006 and 2007, and um, I was really concerned about some things in my, in my life and in my future. I was really kind of confused and lost, um, and I you know, just kept begging God, like, I just need you to talk to me about this stuff, or you know, can you help in these areas, this or that? And it's just like, I feel real blind, like I'm walking real blindly right now. And I'd been praying that quite often, very worried prayers, prayers full of worry. And uh, I have this dream. You know, here I am, someone who who was a fairly frequent dreamer, expecting some answers from God, maybe would come through a dream. Well, here's my dream. I'm in heaven, right? Wow, powerful, super spiritual, cool, right? I'm in heaven, and I'm at a board meeting. It's this big boardroom, and there's all these general, powerful generals, angels, powerful angels. They're all there, real powerful guys. And I walk up, and I knew that Jesus was at the end, but I didn't get to see him. I wish I would have that time, but I didn't. And but my, I'm just drawn to the angels that are here to my left. They're talking to each other, and they're like, "Oh." There's John. Yeah, he's probably just up here again to talk about the stuff he's worried about. Talk about a slap in the face. I was like, what? Even the angels are talking about me like that? Like, I was like, well, yes, that's exactly what I was going to do. But by the grace of God... I, I wisened up real quick, and I said, wait a second, that's the wrong answer. Okay, well, I can't say, I can't do that then. Uh, well, what am I supposed to do? And then this moment, this clarity came to my mind about what I needed to pray about, what I needed to ask the Lord for, what, was, what, what, what am I really here for? Uh, no, is what I said. I'm here to ask to see the devil's works destroyed. 
those angels, they all stood up and started clapping and cheering. And the dream was over. So, you know, sometimes I talk and it feels like I'm just doing these buckshots, right? But it really, it's all connected. Because that is, I think a lot of people don't realize how obvious it is in Scripture that that's what the kingdom and bringing the kingdom is all about. It's about returning us back to pre uh, fall. And the devil's works happened after, um, as far as we're concerned and what we are affected by. And so the sons of God are meant to manifest in the earth. All of creation is groaning for it. And it's a really terrible sound if you can ever get the opportunity to hear it. It's the worst, most horrible sound. You know, it's, it's just the, the little baby seeking its mom. No hope or no idea how to find her. That kind of thing. Um, so I'm going to speak a little bit about, I just don't, I feel like I'm forgetting to say something. All right. I'm going to make this legal. That's the joke that I hear some pastors say. Make this legal now. I'm going to read right out of the book. Not like legal, like legalism, okay, guys? <laughs> legal word, though, that was funny. So 1 Corinthians 13 is probably one of the most commonly quoted chapters that we all, I mean, I would assume we have all heard. You know, weddings a lot, um, and it's powerful. It's great, you know. This is what love looks like, you know. um, Beautiful. But um, God just gave me a little different thing to plug in here and and to think about. Um, 1 Corinthians 13. Sorry, this is the uh, Passion Translation. I don't know what you all think about that, but that's what I got today. Um, If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't understand myself or didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. Let's skip over to 1 Corinthians 14. It says, It is good for you, it is good that you are enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. When someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says because he's not speaking to people but to God. He is speaking intimate mysteries in the Spirit. 
But when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people, to to build them up, and to bring them comfort. So here Paul talks, he's talking a little bit about the gift of prophecy here and how much, how beneficial it is. He's not only talking about the gifts of the Spirit as being a good thing um, and that they should seek them, eagerly desire them. Um, in some translations, it's always like the same word for like something like passionately desire or lust after. It's like, it's like an intense thing. Yeah, so he's trying to emphasize this. This is, and throughout all of the Pauline epistles, he just emphasizes the role of the Spirit. This is what, this is what makes you, this is part of what it means to be God's people. Is you have the Spirit. We've been waiting for this forever. Anyway, um, so he's emphasizing the gift of prophecy and uh, says that we should, we can use this to edify, to build people up. It's, it's a strengthening tool. And when it's peppered with love and wisdom, it becomes easier to deliver and receive, too. You know, I had, and that's, that's part of, the, part of it with, with prophecy, and it's great to have, if you want to grow in prophecy, is get with people who, are, who have been doing it for a while and have matured in it. Oh, man, I'm after seven already. I'm almost done, guys. Um, uh, and matured in, in the gift to hear how they can apply what they see. Because sometimes you see or you hear, but how do you package that in a way that's easy for the person to receive it? Because what I've noticed in 20 years is that harsh words are rarely received well. And they're actually rarely meant to come out harsh. But sometimes it's how we see it or feel it. And um, so I'm very suspect if I'm seeing something and it seems harsh. It's very like I have this, this internal process I go through with it. Well, how does it really need to be said? Are you sure it needs to be said this way? And a great example from a few days ago, I was at a group and the Lord showed me this guy had this spirit of death around him. And he, and he was had a spear and he was poking at him with it. So I could have told this, and this guy's a new believer too. I could have told this guy, man, I see this dark spirit of death around you, man, you know, and freak the guy out. I mean, he would have had a hard time. But because of my, what I understood about the Lord is just like, he doesn't need to hear that. What he needs to hear is that God is the one who numbers his days and that God has a bright future for him and a plan. And I don't even need to talk about that demon unless God wants me to address the demon specifically. I don't even need to talk about that. I can just talk about the truth. And because God had revealed it to me, it broke all that up. And the guy was like practically in tears, just like, thank you for telling me I had a good future. I'm like, it's in the book. But yeah. <laughs> but there's something about when it's, when it's spontaneous by the Holy Spirit and he, he's, he gives, it's a key that unlocks something. And the devil just, he, that's why the devil despises it so much, hates it so much, because it's so powerful. Um, because it's God's here, you know. God's here, he's talking, oh no, you know, like the one who created all this stuff. And <clears throat> so with that, um, just in lieu of being over, um, 
I'm going to go ahead and, and close up. But um, I would love to serve tonight by praying for anyone, prophesying over anyone who would like to receive that. Um, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm definitely not infallible, like he said. Uh, I'm not infallible. Um, but I'm, I've been right enough times and seen God work enough times to where it's like uh, I'm all in. It is a beautiful thing I've seen God do to people with the gift of prophecy. Things he's met, where he's met people, curses broken off, things he's shown me, futures. I mean, it's just, it so touches people. It makes them feel seen and known by God. I just love it. So anyway, it's been a great time being here with you. I hope you all enjoyed. Um, and... Uh, I'm going to be right here, uh, ready to pray. Much love. So, yeah, you guys feel free to go as you need to. Um, but also, if you want prayer from John, he said he's ready to serve. Okay. Um, and after a little bit, I'll... Uh, dismiss uncle tim on home and then i'll stay as long as john wants to stay um and we'll wash feet okay um so you guys have an awesome week uh i want to continue just to grow closer to god and to you guys together um so yeah see you soon